This is a podcast of the Church of Indian Lake. Continue to Matthew chapter 5. We're in the middle of a series, and this year we just thought, for all of you who are visiting with us, we wanted this Easter service to feel a lot like services we have every Sunday, uh, because really the resurrection is not something we just celebrate once a year. We celebrate the resurrection every day of the year and every Sunday, the first day of the week. That's one of the reasons Christians have always worshiped on Sundays. It's certainly not wrong to worship on other days, but we've designated Sundays as our tradition because that's the day Christ rose from the dead. And so what a blessing it is to always remember that. We've been studying the Beatitudes, which are some of the most famous words Jesus ever gave. Maybe in all of literature, these are the words that have impacted people the most. And it's teaching Jesus gave us. But as every good teacher, he doesn't just give information. Jesus lives out what he teaches. And that's what we're looking at today. If you don't mind, let's just stand together if you're able to. You certainly don't have to, but it's our custom to stand and honor the scripture. And we're in Matthew chapter 5. And this certainly won't be the only scriptures we look at today. But Matthew chapter 5, we'll read the Beatitudes. It says, when he saw the crowds, he went up on the mountain. And after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Then he began to teach them, saying, the poor in spirit are blessed, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Those who mourn are blessed, for they will be comforted. The gentle are blessed, for they will inherit the earth. Verse six, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness are blessed for they will be filled. Verse seven, which is the verse we are gonna focus on today. The merciful are blessed for they will be shown mercy. The pure in heart are blessed for they will see God. The peacemakers are blessed for they will be called sons of God. Those who are persecuted for righteousness are blessed for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. And I just, as I read verse 10, though that's not our focus today, I can't help but to think about our brothers and sisters in Kenya who were um, massacred because they believed in Jesus. And if you haven't seen that on the news, it's worth you looking at uh, because people are still giving their lives for this man named Jesus because he is so powerful and great and he deserves all of our devotion. And that's who we're here to worship today. Let's pray together. So God, we... You know, as we're, we're in this really comfortable, great setting today, we do remember those who have given their lives for the name of Jesus. And the name of Jesus is so great and so powerful. I, I just, I'm asking you, God, to help us to honor his name today and let the greatness of who Jesus is just rest upon us so that we would all be marked by your scripture today. My Lord, this day we're gonna focus on your mercy on this Easter Sunday, we're gonna focus on the mercy of God. And Lord, I know that I preach this message under your mercy. And Lord, we sing our songs and we'll take communion later under your mercy. We, we have to have your mercy, it's such a good thing. And so we praise you, we thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen, you may be seated. I wanna talk about the mercy of Jesus, and there's a couple of stories I have from when I was in college that's gonna help us see his mercy, which is so appropriate because 
you guys know this as well as I do that you need a lot of mercy when you're going through that college age period of life. All types of silly things we do. There's all types of merciful things, things we need God's mercy. Well, I was out with my friends one night and I grew up in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, grew up in the Dallas part of it and we were in Fort Worth and we were with a group of kids that were, were good. I mean, we weren't uh, partying, we weren't, you know, doing drugs or drinking or anything like that. We were just out in Fort Worth going to a concert. And uh, I was driving the car and I turned. Uh, it was a red light, but I stopped, you know, appropriately. Look, no cars were coming. Turned right. And as I started to, to move on down the street, behind me, flashing lights are behind me. The, the police pulls me over. And I'm feeling relatively comfortable, right? I, I knew that we weren't doing anything wrong. I was actually observing the speed limit, which was a miracle for a 19-year-old. So um, I couldn't imagine we were doing anything wrong. So the officer comes, and she asked me, she said, uh, do you realize what you did? And I said, no, ma'am, I, I don't at all. And she said, well, you turned right on red at a five-way stop. And it's illegal to do that. A four-way stop's okay, but a five-way stop is illegal. So just in case you're ever in downtown Fort Worth, here's your warning right now, okay? There's something tangible from this message you already have. And so I'm saying, oh, okay, I'm sorry, ma'am. And she goes back and she begins to, you know, check my record and all that type of stuff. And so me and my, my friends were all talking. It was a band full of people here, uh, like an SUV type of vehicle. And we're, so we're all talking here. And while she is back checking my record, we all begin to talk about what a dumb wall that is. I mean, we're just kind of indignant. In fact, we're saying, that is so stupid. That is so dumb. Why in the world would they say you can't go right on red? In addition to that, beyond us thinking it was a bad law or a bad rule, the intention of the officer we really questioned I mean, we began to say something like this in the three or four minutes she was back at her car. We said, why in the world is she wasting her time on a Saturday night? And we knew there were plenty of our friends who were involved in illegal activity as we spoke. We knew that with all the crime in Fort Worth, with all the gang activities, with all the uh, bad things that are happening to people, why in the world is... She enforcing this rule or wasting the police's resources and time, pulling over some teenagers who really weren't doing anything wrong at all. And so she came back, and after I had talked about her and her rule, like she was, you know, some kind of tyrant or something, I'm thinking, I'm going to use my charm to get off this ticket. So after talking all bad, talking smack about her, she comes back to the window, and I'm like, ma'am, I am so sorry. I will never do it again. I understand this rule. I'm, I'm doing my Eddie Haskell interpretation. You know, some of y'all remember him. And I'm thinking, surely she's going to let me off. And no way. She wrote me that ticket anyway. She wrote me that ticket anyway. You know, one of the things, I was appealing to her mercy, not because I agreed with her, not because I agreed with the rule, not because I thought her intentions were good or that I thought the rule was affected. I just didn't want to get a ticket. I was actually being insincere because I just didn't want to pay the penalty for my mistake. Here's the first observation I want us to make about mercy. is One phase of mercy we're in is when mercy's needed. 
and we just think, wow, there's a consequence for sin. There's a consequence for not living for God, and I need mercy. This consequence is, is throughout the scripture. We understand because God is holy and perfect and set apart, and he has no error or no sin within him. His holiness demands that there's a punishment for sin. And one of the scriptures that, that lets us know about this, uh, this reality is John 3.36. John 3.36 says it this way, the one who believes in the son has eternal life. That's why Jesus is so important. But the one who refuses to believe in the son will not see life. Instead, the wrath of God remains on him. Now, that's not, the, that's not the most fun scripture to share on Easter Sunday, to talk about the wrath of God. And can I just be honest with you? I'm not completely comfortable with that. But that is the reality as revealed in the scripture, that without Jesus, when we have not received his gift of grace and we haven't received his salvation, the wrath of God is upon us. That's why we need his covering. That's why he's a substitute for us. That's why he paid the price for our sins that we could not pay ourselves. And I want to make sure you truly understand what the gospel is, the good news. The bad news is God's wrath is upon us without Christ. But the good news, the gospel is with Christ, we will not be punished. With Christ, there is no wrath. With Christ, there is no consequence for our sins eternally. Now, here, here's, here's the problem. The church has done a really good job of trying, well, our bad job, whichever way you want to put, whichever way you want to interpret this. The church has been effective at making people be scared of a life without God. And... Healthy fear does have its effectiveness. I understand that. And, and that's why even this morning, I've got to let you know there is a consequence for sin. There is the wrath of God. But a lot of us have only asked for the mercy of God because we needed it. We've been in that situation where we, we, want, we want, just in case this is all true, okay, I'll, I'll raise my hand when the preacher asks for an invitation or I'll fill out a card or some of you have been in evangelistic crusades and remember we walk the aisle to the front and, and many times we do that only because mercy is needed and we may not agree with God or like God's rules and some of us even question God's intentions but we don't want the wrath so just in case just in case we're going to go ahead and sign up for this Christianity thing and I suppose I mean I'm not God so I don't I'm not in the business of determining who's in and out, but I would think that even with that kind of immature response, that many, many will receive his gift of salvation. But I just don't think that mercy out of desperation is the greatest motivation. I think there has to be more. And I want you to move beyond that this morning. I guess I could, I could preach a, a sermon that really scared you guys and made all of you doubt your salvation and then elicit a good response. But that's not my job to do that. I want you to know your salvation. 
I want you to know that you're saved. I want you to know that the work of Jesus is so sufficient, so thorough, so good that your eternity is settled forever and ever, not because of you, but because of him. His mercy is on your life, not out of some desperation. His mercy is on your life because he chose you and his grace has settled upon you. That's a beautiful realization. Before we take communion later on this morning, I want you to know that. In college, uh, I played football for this really, really tiny school. I mean, it was so unimpressive. I had to buy my own shoes to play. So, but I enjoyed playing, loved being on the team, and I really, really respected my coach. Uh, both my high school coach and my college coach are two of the greatest leaders I've ever known, and I'm, I'm in contact with both of them today. One off season, uh, the team wasn't doing like the coach wanted. They weren't developing like the coach wanted. And some of the guys were late to workout. Some of the guys were, you know, making up lame excuses to miss workout. And coach was really frustrated, so he called a big team meeting. And at this big team meeting, I mean, he just laid, laid it all down on the table. I mean, he drew a line in the sand, as we would say. And he said, guys, I'm tired. We're not going to win games next year unless... Everyone gets serious about this. Everybody gets serious about off-season. So we're going to start having 6 a.m. workouts. And that's when we're going to have the workout starting tomorrow. You better be in the field house by 5.55. And as he's saying this, I'm just nodding my head, yes. Because, you know, I wasn't the fastest. I wasn't the strongest. So I had to be kind of like the team guy, you know. Just, and I believed in my coach. I believed in the culture he was trying to establish. So I was just with him all the way. And, I, and in fact, I was a little frustrated that some of the other players had not been performing like they should. Hadn't been honoring. Their scholarship had not been involved like they should. So the coach is giving the new rules starting tomorrow. If you don't show up at 6 a.m., He's, he, he strongly, he said, you won't be on the team. He, and, and I was happy. I thought, this is great. So the night before, I'm ready. I have all my stuff laid out. That particular semester, I happened to be on a different hallway where most of my teammates weren't. So the next morning, we're ready for workout. I wake up. I roll over in bed, look at the clock, and it is 6.45. I totally missed the workout. It was one of the sickest feelings I've ever felt in my life. So I, I, none of my teammates, usually we all wake each other up, help each other out, but everybody just assumed I would have been there. I was on a different hall and wow. I mean, I love that team. I love that coach. And I'm thinking, am I gonna lose my scholarship? Am I gonna not be on the team anymore? I didn't really know what to do. So I did not wanna just like wait around for the hammer to drop. So I uh, just went to my coach's office and I just went to his office and while he was coach, I just sat there. And as practice ended, boy, it was humiliating. I remember the team was passing by, and some guys were laughing at me. Some guys felt sorry for me. Some guys were like, dude, I can't believe this. You know, it was just, it was just an odd little scene. And, and here's the thing. Coach came in, and, and, and we, we talked. And what happened's not so important as this. I needed his mercy. And this time, it wasn't because I thought his rules were stupid and it wasn't because I thought his intentions were bad. It's because I overslept. I agreed with him. I agreed with his standards. 
I agreed with what he wanted to accomplish, but I just did not live up to that. I wanted to be a leader. I wanted to help lead the team. I wanted to help build the culture the coach was trying to implement. I agreed with the higher standard that he has. Guys, I just missed it. And here's the second phase that that I, I want us to consider about mercy is not when mercy's just needed. Yeah, it's needed, but when mercy's desired. We, we come to the place where we say, God, I, I, I'm not just trying to make it into heaven. God, I desire your mercy because your ways are greater than my ways. I desire your mercy, God, because your standards are correct and right and they'll go well for me. God, I desire your mercy, not because you're some mean tyrant just taking pleasure out of punishing me, but because, God, you know what's best for me, and you're trying to make me into a man or a woman of God. And, Lord, your standards are right and good. I just don't measure up. Jesus, Jesus told a story that illustrates kind of two different ways to approach God. It's found in Mark chapter 18, and you're... In your review, it says Mark chapter eight. That's a mistake I made. So you can just add a one before that. But Mark chapter 18, the story is so good. And we can, we can read it. Or Luke chapter 18, I'm sorry. Luke chapter 18, verse 10. Two men were, went up into the temple to pray. One a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. The Pharisee standing by himself prayed thus, God, you can almost hear his entitlement or his arrogance here, just the tone here. God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast saying, God, Be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this is Jesus speaking now. I tell you, this man, being the tax collector, went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. I know many of us have received the mercy of God out of fear. Many of us have received the mercy of God as like an insurance policy. Many of us have received the mercy of God just in case, but in our hearts, we've still been bitter at God, mad at God. And can I just be blunt? We just don't like God. I pray that this day, and I hope it's today, or maybe it's later on in the week, maybe it's later on in the year, that your heart will move to understanding there's a loving father who loves you so much, his standards are good for you. And we can then desire mercy, like that tax collector. and say, God, I don't deserve your mercy. I'm not the center of the universe anymore, God. God, I deserve your wrath because of my sin. I don't measure up to you, God, but God, have mercy on me. Your standards are better. Your ways are better, God. God, I I understand your heart for humanity is good. I just, in my sinful nature, I I haven't measured up. 
have mercy on me, God. And when that happens, then we're at the place to have a relationship with God, not based off fear, because perfect love, the scripture says, drives out all fear. It's based off love. So I never get tired. I never get tired of the Lord because his mercies are new every morning. I never, I, you know, we could get weary with religion and how mankind has messed religion up, but that relationship with the Lord is fresh every morning, it's new every morning. Great is your faithfulness, O Lord. God, you have something new to reveal through your scripture to me every day. God, every sermon I hear, there's truth in that sermon. Every song that I sing, there's grace in that song. God, my chance to serve, my chance to give, my, church, my chance to say no to sin and say yes to your will. This is a pleasure, God. This is not a burden. Living for God should not be this burden. Many of us have the wrong, the wrong view of God that we're under this burden that we cannot bear, that, that we cannot live this lifestyle for God. Nonsense that when you're in a love relationship with God, you know that he's helping you with every step. He's helping you along the way, every chance you can get. Back to that story, I... Uh, sat there humiliated in that office, mad at myself, embarrassed, and really I just could not believe that I had missed this practice. And coach came in and, and we talked and I expressed my sorrow and kind of took my punishment. And I just said, I, I know, listen, I understand that you've got a team to run, you've got a culture to build. I understand that I have to be the one that suffers the consequences. And very quickly, he told me, Aaron, listen, he said, um, this, that rule wasn't really meant for you. You've been, you've been working hard. You've been trying hard. It was meant for the other guys. And, and I, understand, I understand we all make mistakes. Uh, that's an earthly example of the heart of God. Um, and here's my last observation about mercy. It's a beautiful phrase from the scripture. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Mercy triumphs over judgment. James chapter two, verse 12 talks about some of the nuances of judgment to speak and act as those who will be judged by the law of freedom. For judgment is without mercy to the one who hasn't shown mercy. But look at this phrase in verse 13. But mercy triumphs over judgment. That's the good news. We deserve the judgment of God. And he is right in his judgment. He has no error within him. But instead, because of Christ, we don't get the judgment, we get the mercy. We don't get the consequence, we get the blessing. We don't get what we deserve, we get what he chose for us. And mercy is always better than judgment. And can I just tell you that mercy's been greater in my life. I mean, if you can look back to the story of my life, mercy has triumphed over judgment. Mercy is so much greater than, than my choices. Mercy is greater than my shortcoming. Mercy is greater than my weaknesses. Mercy is greater than my greatest mistake. Mercy is greater than my rebellion. Mercy is greater than my immaturity. Mercy is greater than my failures. Mercy is greater than my ignorance. Mercy is greater than the judgments I deserve because mercy always triumphs over judgment. And that is the gospel message. Easter Sunday 
Resurrection Sunday tells us that God's mercy is greater than his wrath. God's mercy is greater than his judgment. And we can only see how great his mercy is because we recognize what we would be under if we did not receive it. His mercy is uncomparable. And that's what we're here to celebrate this morning. I wanna ask that our ushers begin to position themselves because you're gonna have the opportunity this morning to take communion. You don't have to be a member of our church to take communion. We have open communion, so anyone is free to take communion if you choose. Certainly do not feel obligated. You don't have to take communion. But here's what's going to happen. In a few moments after the elements are passed, I want you to hold the bread, I want you to hold the cup. Then I'm gonna come up and this is what we're going to do. Every single one of us is going to have the opportunity, me first, and then you as a community of believers here are soon to be believers. Every one of us is going to have the opportunity to fall under the mercy of God. And we're all gonna have a, ch- we're gonna have a chance to make sure we're right with God. The Bible talks about communion being a symbolic act, but a very important symbolic act. So important that the scripture says, let's not take, let's not take communion in an unworthy manner. Let's take it in a worthy manner. Let's take it with a great sense of seriousness, a great sense of reflection, a great sense of understanding that we need the mercy of God. This is what I know. Listen, I know this to be true, that none of us are qualified to take communion by our own righteousness. Like none of you were good enough this week to to be right with God. I mean, you didn't have enough devotions. You weren't kind enough. you, You weren't helpful enough to your neighbors, whatever the case is, not to mention the anger, the misspoke words, all that stuff, okay? I understand this. That's why we need mercy, right? And that's why we're gonna receive his mercy. Every single one of us, we're gonna receive his mercy. Jesus has set a table before us and he has an open invitation to you. It takes humility to receive it. Let's be like that tax collector. He says, God, just have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. Let's pray together. God, we uh, thank you for the truth of your scripture that's rising up within us. It's just speaking to us this morning. God, I just ask that um, as we reflect upon your work, upon our life, that Lord, you would let us know about the sin that we have so that we would quickly confess it. And that God, uh, I, I'm so so thankful for you, Jesus, that I'm going to be pure, and my friends, we're going to be pure and holy in just a few moments, because we're going to acknowledge the work of Jesus and receive that. So God, during this time of reflection, as we're holding the elements, I pray, Lord, that Holy Spirit, you begin to speak to each individual, and that, Lord, you would change lives today by the power of your gospel message. We commit this to you, in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the podcast of The Church of Indian Lake.